Welcome to the Ministry to Parents podcast. Here's your hosts, Elizabeth and Jeremy Lee. This is the podcast for church leaders that helps them build a ministry to parents. I'm Jeremy Lee. And I'm Elizabeth Lee. Thanks so much for joining in. And today we are in the middle of a series on anxiety. And this is a two-part series. And today we're inviting Jason Gibson from at lunchwithjason underscore. And he is a parenting expert in the U.S. and Australia from parent.tv. And he is just basically throwing out some wisdom. The last episode, I do encourage you to go check it out. He talked about uh, with anxiety, we internalize or externalize. We we realize uh, with our boys, we have one that's an internalizer and an externalizer. Then we realize, I think that me and you mm-hmm. uh, one of each. are one of each, and we'll just kind of keep it a secret as to which is which. Why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll internalize that for a little bit while <laughs> and you I will ex- externalize <laughs> it on the on the podcast. <laughs> so. Uh, and I, just that little tidbit, just that little tidbit has made an incredible difference in our home. Absolutely. We've actually, we've actually taught that to our boys. We've said, Hey, you know what? It's okay. The differences we see in each other. Here's one of the reasons why you are more likely to internalize anxiety. I'm more likely to externalize anxiety. And that is why, because in our home, I know, uh, it's easy for the internalizers to kind of judge the externalizers and be like, why are y'all mm-hmm. going crazy all the time? That's right. But the reality <laughs> is we're a ticking time bomb. Um, and we, it may not be all the time, uh, as consistent, but when it happens, it, it goes nuclear and that's not healthy either. So this, I, as you can see, it's already making a difference in our home. We hope this makes a difference in yours. And today, Jason keeps going with the conversation. One of the things I enjoyed is that uh, there's the, the marriage component, and then there's the kid component, but then there's the parenting component. Because as I'm the externalizer of anxiety, and I have a son who's an internalizer, even that dynamic of the relationship is really helpful. Because now I can understand, okay, uh, and then there's the externalizer child, and then there's the externalizer parent, and that can seriously be combustible <laughs> at times, you know. And so it was just such it was it was very helpful, and it's given us some really great tools on how to process as a family and bring empathy, like you said, um, replace judgment with empathy, and to say, okay, they're externalizing right now. How, how I can relate? I just hold that in. And so please go back and check out episode one. Well worth your time, but it's time to roll into episode two. So after the break, we're going to come back with Jason Gibson, and he's going to be talking to us today about um, when do we need to go see a professional when our kid's struggling with anxiety? How do we know when we should uh, do that? And he's got amazing stuff to help. Uh, After the break, we'll be back with Jason Gibson. Most of us know we should be ministering to the parents in our church, but many of us have no idea how to do it. When you become a member of Ministry to Parents, you'll be able to offer a steady stream of parent videos, family discipleship resources, parent events, games for families, and so much more. It's like the Netflix of parent ministry resources. You don't have to figure out your ministry to parents on your own. Let us be a part of your team by joining ministrytoparents.com today. 
To learn more and get a bunch of free resources, go to ministrytoparents.com slash member. Welcome back, and we are going to head into our second part of anxiety with Jason Gibson. And just a reminder that if you want more advice from him, you can send your parents to his Instagram account at lunchwithjason underscore, where he gives advice and ideas for parenting in real life. And it was formed because he, people kept taking him to lunch and asking for parenting advice. And he's just smart that way and decided to start putting that stuff on Instagram. And it is a very helpful resource for parents. So if you want more, you can head to his Instagram account at lunchwithjason underscore. And here's some more advice from Jason Gibson. So, well, here's some things that I want I give parents, like go through this checklist with your kids, like try these things. I believe in this concept, again, boring counseling words, but I call it least intrusive intervention, right? So what that means is start simple and start easy. And then if that doesn't work, then you go to the next level. So as a parent, if my child appears and I think they're overly anxious, then as their dad or as their mom, try things first at home and see what the impact is. Because if you find that things continue in the trajectory of not working and not healthy, that's when you want to invite a guide on the side or a person on the team. So here, here's just some things that I, some early things that you can try at home so that you can begin to connect with your kids um, and, and give them some tools of things that they can use. Um, the first one is five, four, three, two, one. And I want to encourage us as parents, like we can best coach our kids with these tools if we've done it ourselves. So take all of these ideas and do them yourself and get really good at them yourself because it'll help. And when you're trying to help your children do it, that you'll be able to speak about it confidently. So five, four, three, two, one. So when you feel or notice that you're beginning to be anxious, and you can do this in the escalation phase, you can do this when you're at your peak anxiety, um, but you just want to take five, four, three, two, one. Because what happens is in anxiety, you've got this hyper focus on something and it may or may not be rational, but you're missing everything else that's going on. Your brain is taking off, your body's coming right after it, and you're not able to control where you're going with your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, or even your actions. So what you want to do is you want to ground yourself. It's like you want to take the runaway train and you want to stop it. And the way to do it is to, you can distract, you can redirect, but five, four, three, two, one, what you do is as your mind is running away from you, you say, okay, I'm going to force myself to name five things that I can see. So right here in my office, I see um, a wood panel wall. I see my guitar. I, I see a blue couch. I see a G on the wall, and I see a plant in my window. So right now I'm just naming five things that I can see. And I like to name them out loud because – it allows it to take up more space in my mind and my heart. 
Now, if you're in a meeting as a parent and you feel really anxious, you don't have to say it out loud um, because then everybody else will get anxious because they're wondering why you're in this board meeting and you're talking out loud. <laughs> but so you can do it quietly, but I, I like to do it out loud, uh, especially with your kids. It's good practice. So five things that you see, four things that you can touch. You know, I can touch, I can touch my wrist. I can touch my desk. I can touch my cup. I can touch my forehead. Three things that you hear. You know, I, I hear the voice on your voice on the other end of this call. I hear a guy that's weed eating outside my window and I hear the air conditioning kick on. Two things that you can smell. You know, uh, I smell the coffee in my cup. Um, I smell, uh, and here's what's interesting. I'm having to stop and think, okay, what else do I smell other than the coffee in my cup? Now, if my brain is thinking, what else can I smell in here? What is my brain not thinking? It's not thinking about whatever the anxiety-inducing event was. See, the concept of multitasking is actually a myth. Like your brain cannot simultaneously attend to two things at the very, very same time. Really what the brain does is this incredible, incredible thing. We just shift back and forth a microsecond. So recognizing that, now I'm forcing myself to think, oh, what else do I smell? So then that gives my brain a break from thinking about what, how the world is going to come to an end. And then the one is one thing that I can taste. So it doesn't really matter if it's four things that you see instead of five things that you see, but just five, four, three, two, one, walk down through those. And what that does is it grounds you, takes your runaway mind and heart, and it says, I'm going to grab the reins of it. And the way that I grab the reins of it is to force myself to be fully present in this moment. And the way that I can do that is what I see, touch, hear, smell, and taste. So that's one strategy as a parent that you can do yourself, get good at it. And then when your child is not anxious, because you don't teach your child to do this when they're anxious. You teach them to do it when they're not. And you make it a fun family activity. You do it when you're sitting around the table. Hey guys, we're going to do five, four, three, two, one. All right. And you point to one child and say, I want you to tell me five things you see. And then you point to another child and say, tell me four things that you can touch. And then, you know, and if your kids are younger, you know, ask your spouse, tell me three things you hear. And then you do the smell one because smell could be hard. And then somebody else do one thing that you taste. So you just do it over and over so that when they're escalating, say, Hey, remember we're doing five, four, three, two, one. I want you to do five, four, three, two, one right now. Or, Hey, we're going to do five, four, three, two, one together. So now you've got them doing that strategy that you can do with anxiety and you're giving them the skill when they're not anxious so that they can use it when they are anxious. So that's, that's one idea. And there's a ton of ideas. I'll, I'll give you a couple of really quick ones. Uh, I call this the, um, the uh, frozen strategy from the movie frozen. I think they sing some songs in there about doing the next right thing. Well, the next right thing, such a great idea, a strategy to use when you're anxious, especially when you have teenagers, because many times teenagers think super big picture. You know, like my oldest is a freshman in college this year. Well, she was pretty anxious about what school am I going to go to? What college am I going to go to? Oh my gosh, we've got the pandemic. We've got COVID. Am I going to be able to go to college? Am I going to be able to go to prom? Am I going to be able to? And like, they were legitimate concerns or legitimate worries. So what we did is recognizing going from the current problem to the necessary solution, that's too big of a gap. It's like the size of the Grand Canyon. So as a parent, 
I'm not going to be able to give them that answer because that answer doesn't exist. So I recognize that the answer doesn't exist and say, you know what? We don't know. But what is the next right thing we can do right now? So what I'm doing as a parent is giving my child or teenager permission to not make it all right because that's not possible. But we can make the next right thing successful. And let's just do that next right thing. It's kind of like walking up steps. Like you're not going to go from first step and jump all the way up to the third floor. That's not possible. But we can go from the first step to the second step. So now what I'm doing is I'm taking the pressure off of them to make it all right to just saying, let's make this small next little thing right. And in doing that, that's also another practical way to help begin de-escalating that moment of what's going on in the anxiety that's just riddling both you and your child or your teenager. Um, one other idea is, um, is having your child or teenager describe the symptoms. Because if you walk in and your kid, internalizer or externalizer, they're doing what, whatever they're doing, but you could tell they are just riddled with anxiety. You can see the sweatiness, the anger, the anxiousness. You can see all of those emotions. Um, you could just tell. Another one that an internalizer will do is clenching their fists or clenching their teeth. It's because they've got so much emotion in there. They're trying to literally keep it bottled up, and their body's not letting them do it. So they're gritting their teeth or they're clenching their fists. So when you see that, that you can go up to them instead of saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? trying to get them to describe something that, that they're not able to do because their brain's not ready to, instead of saying, describe it, what, what needs to happen, say, describe what you're feeling and have them shift from a participant in the problem to an observer in the problem. So then you say, describe what you're feeling. I'm going to help you. The first thing that I see is you're squeezing your fists or you're clenching your teeth. So I can sense that there's a lot of pressure. Like, what are some other things that you're feeling? Like, like is your neck hot? I'm like, yeah, yeah, my neck's hot. Well, what else are you feeling? Well, I'm angry. Okay, I get it. Yes, angry. What else are you feeling? I'm afraid or I'm whatever. And with younger children, you might have to help start them down that path. But what you want them to do is to, to share the symptoms or how they are feeling in that moment and allow their energy to go there because it allows them to be really present about what's happening in the moment instead of jumping straight to solutions. Because as dads and as moms, we come in with a really anxious kid and we spend a lot of time problem solving when their brain is not in a place to actually consume what you're trying to tell them. And it's completely ineffective anyways. So join right where they are to give them the ability to understand what they're feeling because now you'll have a better understanding of them so that when the next time comes around, you're going to be able to say, huh, are you feeling this? Are you feeling that? So now they hear and know that you know them and that you understand them, which gives them some comfort because now the runaway train is now a known thing. So then they'll be more likely to be able to de-escalate because now this is not a mystery about what's going to happen next. Okay, so let's say a parent tries the five, four, three, two, one, and then mm -hmm. they try the next right thing. 
and then they try share the symptom and none of these are working at like is is this that moment where you say okay we probably need to ask for a person to join our team or our family or get a guide on the side to to help us process this and who would we go see at that point like do you see your pediatrician do you go find you know where do you go if you've tried these steps and they're not working oh yeah yeah so you know i I would say simultaneously like as you're doing this have a trusted friend somebody that's on the outside that says hey we're seeing this can you help me understand like am i crazy or am i not so you've got that friend that you can go to someone that you trust someone that you don't have to pay for that you can bounce this stuff off because Roosevelt said thoughts disentangle themselves over the lips and through the fingertips. Now that's like a super heady way of saying this. You've got all of these thoughts and feelings that are going on in your brain as a parent. And if you take time to write them down, or you take time to speak them, you find that they become more clear. So if you've got a trusted friend, like shoot them a text or write them an email or write them a letter or have a conversation with them because the more that you talk about it, you're going to find the more clarity you have about what's going on with it. So that needs to be simultaneous as you're trying these different things at home and then start inviting people on the team. And let's just be real, especially during this time of, um, of the pandemic finances are like, it's a deal Mm -hmm. because we need to look at how can we get connected to help and we don't have the resources or the money to be able to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is it's kind of like fishing. The more fishing poles you put out in the water, the more chance you have to catch a fish. So I would talk to my pediatrician. I would talk to the teacher at school. I would talk to the school counselor at school to see what resources that they have access to um, and see what, where and what can I plug my child into so that we might be able to give them some assistance so that they know what they can do. I would have them, I would also talk to the pastor at church or the student pastor or children's pastor, someone that you know that they care for your child so that they will attend to what you have to say and that they have some knowledge about what's going on in the life of your children. So those are all, they, they typically tend to be free resources you can access. Your insurance, your pediatrician is based upon um, you know, your insurance that you have. So those are all people that you can start with. Schools have tons of resources in which they can help um, give some tools and skills to your kids. So your teacher can definitely be aware of what's going on with your child, but they might also be able to give some extra support for your kid while they're at school. So you've got all of those people, and I would just recommend going to all of them and saying, this is what I'm noticing. What do you notice? And what ideas do you have? And then start there. So start with free. And that if you see that that's not working, then I would ask them, hey, do you have recommendations for a counselor in the community that is really good at working with kids with anxiety? So and the beauty of it is you have what I call a cumulative effect. It's not all separate. You have what you're doing at home. You have the other key people in the lives of your child pouring into them too. And then you also get connected to a highly trained professional that can support him or her and support you as you try to take these next steps together. 
so it's not just let's go see a counselor. It's actually let's put this whole set of resources and caring people in their life so that we can make sure that they get the help that they need. It's actually called, we call it wraparound services. If you can take this visual picture of your child in the middle, you're creating a team of people that are linked up arm in arm around your child to give them the care that they need to deal with what's going on there. And it's just a really beautiful thing when we're able to take time to do that. There is a question that parents often ask and they say, Jason, should my kid be on medicine? Like is medicine something that we should do? And now I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't prescribe. So I want to first say that's outside my scope of practice. But what I do want to say is that there is a lot of research that talks about the use of medication when there are some biological medical factors that are impacting the cognition or emotional reaction of children. And going back to that whole idea of a cumulative effect, that it does need to be a consideration with your pediatrician when considering we've tried A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You've done all of this stuff before to have a medical professional identify are there some contributing biological factors that are impacting the ability for my child to thrive and specifically within the area of anxiety. So, and, and that's really all over the map. It's really changed in my 20 plus years of being in the counseling field where 20 years ago there was such resistance to it where now there's an acceptance of it. Um, sometimes there could even be an over-reliance of it. So what I want to encourage all of us, encourage parents is, is to really stay right in the middle to make sure that we're doing all that we can from a strategic counseling equipping point of view. And if that's not effective, then consider what would the, me the medical biological piece be with that? Because I, I look at it like a car. There's, there's like four tires in a car. It only takes one tire to be flat for the car to not be able to move. So we want to consider, and one of those tires is the physical biological components of what's going on in our children and the way that they move about because movement can be such a positive thing in how they feel, but also are there some medical things that are going on that have an impact on this? So that's one of the tires to consider. You also want to consider the emotional tire, like what are those emotions and the way that they respond to situations. Um, you got to consider the emotional responses. You got to consider the cognitive pieces. What are the thinking errors that are going on? Um, because sometimes anxiety comes from misinformation, right? That they were told something is wrong. So if that information is bad, then we need to replace it with truth. And replacing it with truth will actually solve some of the things that are going on. So you got to look at the cognitive, um, but then you got to look at the spiritual aspect of it. Our thanks again go to Jason. I hope you're starting to see that uh, this is meant to be such a gift, not just to you as church leaders, but also this is one of those episodes, it's an easy way to send a link to a parent who might have come to you and said, what do I do about my kids dealing with this anxiety? How do I help with this? And um, and as you're looking for books and things to send, this podcast, this series might be uh, a great gift for them as well. Uh, thanks again for listening. Please don't forget that uh, when 
we uh, when we keep bringing out episodes, one of the ways you can get notified is to subscribe. So please do that on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you're an M2P member, we have some more material from Jason in the toolbox this month. You can download those PDFs and send them straight to your parents. It's a done-for-you resource that is easy to use. Thanks again for joining us. This is the podcast for church leaders that helps them build a ministry to parents. We'll see you next episode. You've been listening to the M2P Podcast. To download free parent resources, go to ministrytoparents.com.